Hey, do you need a UK representative, a Swiss representative or a European authorized representative for your medical device industry? Okay, so you can contact now Easy Medical Device at info at easymedicaldevice.com. Info, I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com. And we'll help you for that. So talk to you soon. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Alazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we wanted to talk about a certain article of the UMDR, which is Article 16. Uh, this is an article where uh, the NDCG guidance was released. And we wanted to talk about that because I think, I mean, there was some surprises or some really discussion on that. And uh, so for that, anytime there is some kind of conflict or discussion that we have to have on a interpretation of a, a, a guidance. So we invite uh, our lawyer. So uh, I, I want to introduce you to Eric Volbrecht. So Eric, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Thanks uh, for having me again, Amanir. Uh, I feel a bit like old furniture in the podcast right now, but uh, let's see if I can still say something interesting about the subject because uh, it's a bit of a rabbit hole of a provision, uh, I think, as we will uh, no doubt discuss uh, during this uh, podcast. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and uh, just before the podcast, we still had some discussions because mainly there was uh, oh, yeah. still some things that were not clear even for me. So now we clarified that. But uh, yeah, as you say, it's a really a rabbit hole uh, in the surface. We think that it's simple. It's a small paragraph. Everything is like, uh, yeah, it's understandable. But few keywords that are used on this article makes change everything. So if I can say so. And uh, after, mm -hmm. after because uh, we discussed also about that during the last um, podcast episode on the on monthly review. Uh, so I explained to you a bit of what is included inside. Uh, and I had then some comments from some of the um, importers or distributors that are uh, looking at, at this and say, oh, now we should change our way to do this and that. And it's what we will try to explain to you today because it's not so simple or it's not, it's really complicated. So it's, it's something that we really want to go. But um, Eric, can we just make maybe a first introduction of this article? What it is exactly? What are we talking about? Who is in scope of this article? Yeah. Well, that's, that's always a good start to start at the, at the beginning, yeah. preferably with the end in mind. And uh, for that, you have to look at the broader context of Article 16, because the, what we are talking about today is, uh, is, is basically a translation and repacking, uh, repackaging of uh, devices. You have to see that in the larger context of Article 16 and the scope of the CE mark. Because uh, listeners may be, uh, may be aware that there's actually European case law uh, in the field of, uh, of precisely this situation. There was the, uh, the uh, Roche versus uh, Servoprax case uh, at the European Court of Justice uh, some years ago, where there was a dispute between Roche uh, uh, Diagnostics and, uh, and a distributor about whether the distributor needed a quality system for activities that would be in scope of Article 16, Section 2, as it's currently in the MDR. Okay. European Court of Justice at the time said, no, no, it's not necessary because uh, these devices have been placed on the market. They are freely circulating. So, uh, yeah, 
as long as the changes that you make don't affect the quality of the uh, product as such and don't do terrible things to the trademarks of the uh, trademark owner. So basically pharmaceuticals case law, uh, pharmaceutical repackaging case law, then this is allowed. And that was the case law at that time. But now we have the MDR and the IVDR entering into force and they provide for a much more specific regime that actually says, well, there are, there are a number of criteria that you have to meet as a distributor. First of all, if you engage in, uh, in, in uh, repacking and translation, first of all, not to be seen as a manufacturer. Yeah. And, and if you are not seen as a manufacturer, then there is still a list of criteria that you have to meet. So for example, you need to have a quality system for the activity. Uh, it needs to concern place, uh, devices that are placed on the market. Uh, it needs to be necessary uh, to do this in order to be able to place the device on the national market that you are doing this for, and some additional criteria. So it's actually, it's a, it's a very complex uh, provision with a lot of uh, things nested in it. So that's, that's, basically, that's basically the background in a nutshell. So um, here we, we, as we said, so mainly on Article 16, we talk about what you cannot do and what you can do to not become a manufacturer. So you cannot do mm -hmm. that and you can do that. And what you can do, as we say, is a, a re, um, translation uh, of documents. Uh, it's also uh, documents of IFU, the translation and repackaging. Um, and, and here there is, and we discussed about that, as I said just before, uh, there is kind of a border where we can say before that line, you are not on scope of Article 16. And after okay. that line, you are on scope. So what is that line exactly? So when, when we can say, I am in it or I am out of it. Right. Yeah, so Article 16 concerns devices that have been placed on the market. So Article 16.1c, which is the starting provision for the rest of the article uh, as we're going to discuss it. And that says that uh, you become a manufacturer if you modify a device already placed on the market in such a way that compliance with the applicable requirements may be effective. If you, if you modify a device that hasn't been placed on the market, yeah, no problem because it hasn't been placed on the market. And uh, the, the basic thought of CE marking legislation is the device should be compliant when placed on the market. What you do before, not a problem. So... so so then the article. there is maybe a clarification on maybe people don't, maybe I know a lot of, of you know about that, but what means placed on the market? And we talked about oh, yeah. that in a previous mm -hmm. podcast, but there are some specific entities that can place a device on the market. Not everybody can yes. do that. So, and oh. specifically, there is one where there is this discussion specifically here. Yeah, 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 no, it's only, it sounds a bit like a riddle. Exactly. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry to be cheeky because we had this previous question. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, there are, in, in the CE marking system, there are only two parties that can place a device on the market the manufacturer and the importer. And the importer only is in the mix when the manufacturer is not uh, uh, established in the EU himself. So, then you can get into inter interesting questions about when a uh, when an importer uh, changes things to a device. 
uh, yeah, is that in scope of Article 16 in the first place? And it can be, for example, that an importer changes things to a device that has not been placed on the market yet. So, and that wouldn't be called in the scope of Article uh, uh, Article 16. For example, let's say you have an importer of a multinational company, so manufacturers in China or the US, like it often is. Uh, there's there's an importer in uh, Germany, let's say. Importer receives uh, goods, uh, devices, puts them in his warehouse. But these devices, it's not clear for each device whether the device is actually going to be sold in Europe. Because this part of the stock can go to anywhere in the EMEA. So that can be Europe, can be Middle East, can be Africa. By the standards of, of, the, uh, of the concept of placing on the market, as it's explained in the Blue Guide, I hope everybody has read the Blue Guide by now, um, the product is not necessarily placed on the market because there is no intent to distribute it. It hasn't been made available in the EU because it can go, uh, still go anywhere. Um, and that means that the device is not placed on the market. So if you would, were to change anything to the device uh, as, a, as an importer at, at that time, it's not in scope of Article 16. And this is mainly a problem for uh, yeah, uh, multinational companies or distributors that, that engage very much in parallel import and export through the European Union or through the Union with a capital U. But yeah, there's also a large part of the market that won't be, uh, won't be uh, affected uh, by that. But still, you always have to start with the question, has this product been placed on the market? Because if it hasn't been placed on the market, then I can't apply Article 16. C so I, I suppose there is a lot of importers that are now maybe being relieved <laughs> because oh, of this. Yes, yes, oh, no, I'm not on this then. <laughs> They should, they should always know whether a, a device that they have in under their control, whether it's placed on the market or not. Because if it's placed on the market, they should already have done the Article 13 importer checks. So if an importer cannot be in doubt, so to speak, about the status of the device, because if the device is actually placed on the market, and they only do the, 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 the importer checks afterwards, then they're doing things backwards, then their yeah. quality system doesn't work correctly. And it would be contrary to Article 13. Yeah. So, so we discussed also about something about um, uh, a certain wording that was used, which was necessary in order to market the device in the relevant member states. So um, yes, here there are things that are necessary. So you have to do them and think that it's not necessary, but you can still do them. It's not like it's not it's mm -hmm. it's not mandatory. It's not forbidden to do that, but you can still do that. So, what is the the status of this, if I can say, or, or the the meaning of this for for our audience here? Yeah, it's also it's also uh, an interesting provision because uh, many people think that uh, that Article sixteen, Section two three four about labeling and repacking that it applies always to any kind of labeling or repacking activity in the supply chain. But that's that's a mistake because these uh, Article 16.2, which is the starting point for that, that let's say, customer journey, uh, so to speak, only applies insofar as the change made to the IFU uh, or uh, the change or the, to the 
documentation accompanying the device or to the pack is necessary in order to be able to market the device in the member state concerned. This is also a criterion that comes from pharmaceutical trademark uh, parallel importation case law, where uh, a number of these uh, of these these cases were defined. For example, one of the cases uh, that I remember is a case where uh, uh, certain pills were, for example, sold in strips that were uh, 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 that contained pills in a quantity that they were not uh, um, uh, reimbursable under the reimbursement system of the member state concerned. But if you would make it into smaller strips, then they would be reimbursed. So that was, okay. for example, considered a circumstance that um, uh, that would make it uh, necessary. Okay. So let's say, for example, eh, you've got certain devices that are only sold by a box of 100. Yeah. And you want to sell them in boxes of 10 in Greece or in uh, Finland, then, uh, and they're only sold in Germany, for example, then you could say, okay, well, uh, um, if it's necessary to get reimbursement in those countries uh, by having boxes of 10 or smaller, then, uh, yeah, then I would have a justification to do this. But if you don't have a justification like that, then Theoretically, you would not fall within the scope of Article um, uh, Article uh, 16.2a or b, and you would also infringe Article 16.1c, and you are a manufacturer if you do it. That's actually kind of important. Yeah. And and uh, so as we said, so if you are in scope of Article 16, so um, so here I hope yeah now people are clear on. Uh, who is on scope and if you are on scope following your processes, um, you have then to involve um, notified body apparently from, from what we see here. Um, so um, this, I think, is a big concern for some of the importers or distributors that are in scope of that. So uh, there was this MDCG guidance 2021-23, I will put that again on the, on the show notes, uh, that was trying to explain the relationship between manufacturers and notified bodies. And uh, when you read that, I mean, there is a lot of things that maybe people were not aware of until they read this guidance. So um, what, what, what exactly is the, is the point of having a notified body for Article 16 here? Well, good, uh, good question as well. Um, this, this, uh, well, the point is basically that uh, the MDR, the IDR view the activity in Article 16.2, so translation and repacking, contrary to the case law of the European Court of Justice that we had before the date of application of the MDR. Uh, it is seen as a quality system controlled activity okay. subject to notified body surveillance. That's how the MDR sees it. And that means that uh, you need a notified body. The, it's important, uh, and there was a lot of, uh, of course, when in 2017 uh, the text of the MDR and the IVR were final, a lot of people started wondering, like, yeah, but hey, how does it work with the notified body in this provision? What, what is the notified body supposed to do exactly? What should be in the certificate? Uh, all these things. And there was uh, quite a lot of confusion. I know that uh, uh, Team MB at some point was working on uh, discussing whether they could come up with a sort of template certificate for this uh, business. 
until in 2020, I think in August, I don't the I don't know exactly the number of that MDCG document again. There was a, a Q&A about Annex 7. Okay. Uh, and, and, and in that Q&A, it said, hey, by the way, about uh, Article 16 certification, that is not conformity assessment. So that means that we as an NDCG, we have nothing to do with it actually uh, uh, within the scope of conformity assessment and notified bodies uh, actually can stop being uncertain about what the nature of that certification activity is. They can just go ahead and do their own certification on the standards of that provision. But 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 because one thing that, that, that was a bit confusing is the fact that as they are looking just at the quality management system, not at specifically at the product itself. Um, so mm -hmm. why they have not chosen just to to get that from a, a conformity assessment body? So somebody yeah, that well, is just coming from ISO 13485. Yeah, it was still quite uh, quite uh, quite unclear because I, uh, article uh, because ISO one three four eight five that is a standard about production of yep. medical devices, and although uh, although of course you can also uh, do this within an ISO one three four eight five certified quality system. It is actually that is actually not the standard. So that was also one of the points on which there was a lot of confusion. At some point, I've also heard some companies that said, "Yeah, you know what? We don't need a notified body because it's not conformity assessment. We will just go to our local ISO one three four eight five certification body, exactly. and they can certify us for this activity." Of which I said at the time, "Well, that's." Probably not what it says in the uh, in the uh, MDR and the IVDR, because the MDR and the IVDR is a bit on the fence. On the one hand, they say it's not conformity assessment. Yeah. On the other hand, they say you do need a notified body, so not just any certification body in scope of ISO one seven zero two five. But moreover, you need a notified body that actually has been designated for the scope of the devices that you are uh, repacking or translating the IFUs from. And, and I think uh, this made this made afraid a lot of a lot of man, a lot of importers or distributors because we know the situation with notified bodies. Um, I have also some customers that are trying to contact them now and they cannot reach even the reception. Uh, they cannot reach mm -hmm. the person there. So it's like a, a ah. bit afraid. And they, they are saying, okay, maybe we, this will stop our business because if we need a notified body and they, they are taking time to audit us, et cetera, and coming. So what are we doing here? Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's of course that's that's a bit of a consequence of the system that if you are going to require that you go to a notified body that has been notified for that scope, if you have a very exotic product for which not many notified bodies have a scope, and then also you only want this certification of your quality system uh, and nothing else, then it is really difficult. Uh, as a distributor or an importer that is independent to go to a notified body now and say, uh, hey, will you certify this? Yeah, so, a lot of, for a lot of notified bodies, this is actually not a very interesting activity. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But one thing, just maybe one thing, so I don't know, but uh, is it applicable as of the 26th of May 2021? Or what is because they have no certificate now, so it's like it's a new thing. So the importers, distributors don't, mm -hmm. they don't have a certificate. So 
Um, now, can we say that it should be applicable now? So now they have to have this certificate and everything, or there is some timeline here? Well, there's not a transitional regime in the MDR uh, for Article 16 activities. So now they have uh, to have it. Yeah, basically, uh, if you engage in the activity, you should have a cert certificate for that by now. The only thing that you can do actually is, uh, uh, and that's 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 probably a bit cheeky, but still uh, possible, is that if you repackage or translate the IFUs of legacy devices, that is another matter because for legacy devices, it is still undecided at the highest level whether articles articles 13, 14, 15, 16 apply to legacy devices or not. Okay. And what we see is that member states also actually differ in opinion about that. Um, and uh, that uh, what I've seen is that member states are not actively enforcing this. So what you could actually, uh, if, if you are a distributor or an importer and you're doing this for legacy devices and somebody says, hey, 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 you're not allowed to do this, then at least you can play the uncertainty card and say, well, yes, actually I can because it's completely, it, it is still up in the air whether Article 120, Section 3 uh, uh, yeah, is applicable for legacy devices. Yeah. Adhere to Article 16 or not. So you've I think got it's plausible deniability there. It's 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 interesting here because yeah, I think uh, there is still we 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 talk about that and there is this MDCG guidance, but there is still some as I've said, it's a rabbit hole. So there is still maybe more to dig, more to go, more to find, more to interpret, and it's really something that uh, for, I suppose for a lot of devices. I think you're stuck with Article six sixteen. There's no no reason not to do it. Except, of course, that, I mean, and that's, that's probably tragic if you're not just not able to get a uh, uh, get certified because no notified body is interested in, in doing this. And then you're basically running into the problem that a lot of companies are running into these days. And that is that if you leave this kind of certification to the market, then it is built into the system that if the market doesn't want to perform the certification activity or doesn't have the um capacity to do so yeah that you're basically out of luck as a company that wants to engage in an activity that needs to be certified actually recently i had this this actually confirmed uh, by a competent authority that said yeah sorry but uh, the certification by notified bodies it is a market activity and if there are any big problems it's basically for the market to sort it out and for the authorities to put uh, framework conditions for it because yeah, if um, I mean, if we don't have a notified body, let's say it's not the fault of the notified body. I mean, it's not they are not designated, mm -hmm. they didn't came, etc. So then you have to deal with the competent authority uh, in 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 the background if there is any issue mainly. But what is um, what is? Oh, I mean, your best your best bet, I think, as a distributor and importer, if you cannot get a notified body to do this and you still want to do this commercially, I mean a national competent authority will be able to give you an exemption for just about anything. Exactly. So what you could also do that, is yeah. just yeah, collect, collect a stack of rejections from notified bodies and then send them to the competent authority with a cover letter saying, I really want to try to do this. I have completely complied with all the quality system uh, elements in uh, 
in, in, in Article uh, 163, uh, as explained in the MDCG, but I can't get a notified body to certify the ME. So uh, I'm inviting you to come and audit me. I'm inviting you to come and inspect me. But uh, yeah, that's, that's about as good as it gets. And then hope that they don't enforce against you because formally it's not their problem that there isn't a notified body that wants to certify your quality system. Yeah. Um, which is kind of tragic. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> um, now, um, as soon as we are willing to do this activity of repackaging or relabeling, it's marked also in Article 16.4 that you have to contact your um, notified body or competent authority 28 days prior to do this activity. Yes. So um, does it mean that uh, first you are certified and then you can do this activity and each time you do this activity, you inform the authorities? Or it's like you can, do, you can continue to do your business, but if you plan to do this kind of relabeling or repackaging, then you need to get this certificate, you need to get all that. So what is exactly the, the, the point here? Well, that's a good question because it depends on the, uh, first of all, I think it depends on the scope of the certification uh, that you get, which is, uh, uh, which is uh, set out in MECG 2021-23. I'm just looking over my shoulder at my other screen with the, uh, with the text on it. Okay. Um, because if you look at... Uh, uh, because what happens in the end is it is a uh, certification of your quality uh, of your quality system. Yeah. But the problem there is that the uh, the MSG guidance says the activities that are certified should uh, should be linked to the above mentioned specific types of devices covered by the quality system. So your quality system needs to concern specific devices. So it needs to be specific in which devices it covers. So you can get certified by it. If you have a general quality system that says I can, uh, I can repack anything from uh, pacemakers with animal tissue coating to, uh, uh, to uh, I don't know, uh, uh, bricks uh, yeah. or something like that, yeah, then the notified body will say, yeah, sorry, that's not specific enough. So there's, there's that. Then, uh, uh, but how, how can you be specific on importation distribution of any device? I mean, a device is on the box. I'm not opening the device to uh, use it. Uh, I'm just relabeling or repackaging. So, I'm, well, how, how can you be specific on well, this or that? Specific whether whether it concerns, for example, pacemakers or uh, catheters or uh, I don't know. Uh, and tongue spatulas or uh, but should I write on the quality management system or the, the quality manual the scope of my activities and say yes. I'm doing that specifically yes. for that and no need yeah. maybe to explain on the on the repackaging yeah. that I'm repackaging specifically uh, pacemakers or it's you have to have yeah. the wordings or the vocabulary of which products you are repackaging or retranslate or translating yeah. yeah. Okay. Or not, body can, can check whether your quality system is adequate for that. Because let's say, for example, I'm repackaging, um, I don't know, let's say collagen coated catheters. Yeah. You need another quality system for it that are sterilized, uh, that have a sterilized primary packaging. Yeah, that, that you need another quality system for that than when you are repackaging, uh, let's say, stethoscopes. Right, because yep. stethoscopes are not sterilized; they're pretty sturdy, uh, and so on. So different requirements. 
Okay. And then to get back to your question about the 28 days, uh, when that starts to run, what you need to do is you need to inform the manufacturer of your intent and you need to show them a mock-up of the repackaging. So basically, if you that that would mean that, uh, and, and also the authorities, by the way. So yep. what you need to do is you need to enable two third parties to actually see what you are going to do to what specific devices, specific types of devices. So that means that it might be that you need to notify one manufacturer, I'm going to uh, repackage these, uh, these uh, specific uh, dental splints from you. And another, I'm going to uh, translate the IFU for these uh, specific uh, substance-based uh, devices of you. And also you need to send it to the uh, competent authorities. So every time you add a new SKU, let's say, to your process, you need to notify the authority and the manufacturer for that, that product 28 days in advance before you actually engage in the activity. And the problem is that this, this notification provision is, I think, spectacularly unclear. And it's also not so nice that they didn't provide any guidance on that in, in, our, in the NDCG guidance, because now you are in a situation that basically the provision says 28 days before you engage in the activity, you have to notify the manufacturer and the, uh, and the local authority. And if they ask for it, you have to send them a mock-up, period. What happens then? Well, usually the manufacturer will send you back a letter saying, uh, how about no, you cheap-ass parallel importer? Screw you! You're not uh, you're not doing this. So what then, right? I mean, the provision doesn't say that. Also, because the provision doesn't basically uh, say what the competent authority needs to do, is that's also an interesting one because that means that the the, the local the national provision is completely open. Okay. Which means that uh, every member state can have their own provision for it. There may be a member state that says, if you just notify us, then this is fine. Send us a picture of the mocker. There are also, it might also be that the member state says, no, you have to notify us, but you cannot engage in the activity until, uh, until we have actually given you permission to do so. Yeah. And we also require a physical 3D mocker. Thank you very much. Okay. So, so, uh, so, so this is, uh, as you said, this is up to each competent authorities to decide that for now, uh, yeah. which again opens the door to say that we thought that MDR was more for harmonization of everybody, but apparently not. It's more like uh, each each competent authority can 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 work on that. Uh, but yeah, it's it feels. It, I mean, for me, when I, I look at that, it feels like a lot of burden to importers or distributors that are doing this activity. Uh, they have to contact this, they have to do that, where maybe before they never had any contact with any competent authority or any notified body. So don't, they don't have the right personnel, the right department, the right people to help them on that, maybe. Uh, so now it's make, changing a bit their, their scope of work, actually. Yeah, the so, regulatory burden for this activity has gone up immensely, I think. And this is, of course, something you can have different views on. Because on the one hand, you could say, just like the argumentation was in this, this Roche Servopracks case, for example, 
Well, of course, it is necessary that you have a quality system for these activities because, hello, we manufacture when we package a device for the first time or when we make an IFU for the first time, we also have a quality system. So it's yeah. not very strange that you need a quality system. And uh, and you get a quality system light actually because uh, because the requirements are less less than for a production quality system. Also, I think if you look at uh, 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 translation processes at manufacturers in scope of Annex Nine in production, then your translation is actually it's also a quality controlled activity. And if you're and if you have a shitty, uh, shitty translation consistency process, then a notified body will write you up for it. And I've, I've actually had cases on my desk where a parallel uh, importer had actually really badly translated the original IFU, instructing users to do things that were actually pretty dangerous uh, to leave the, the device in place a lot longer than you actually should. Uh, um, with potential uh, big uh, chance of uh, infections. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's not like they are making this up for fun. The only problem is that what what we see in the NDR in a lot of places is that first they were here in terms of regulatory burden, and now they're over there. Yeah. Uh, if you are a class one medical device software company and you were like uh, la 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 i had my nice uh, class one self-certified <laughs> software device under the mdb and now it turns out that it's uh, cancer diagnosing uh, a treatment plan predicting uh, artificial intelligence and you find yourself in class three yeah that's kind of a big uh, big steep hurdle uh, to take from a regulatory uh, perspective so this is yeah. also one of these things where the NDR and the IDR really move the goalposts uh, on, on specific activities. And uh, as we said, and, add, and to add to all this, um, you have to contact, as we said, the notified body, uh, but you mm -hmm. have to contact it um, if it has the scope of the devices that you are yes. distributing or importing. So the mm -hmm. scenario that we can have is mainly that we start to distribute maybe some catheters, I don't know. And then we yep. take a notified body. And three months later, we have a manufacturer contact us to distribute some MRI machines or whatever. And then it's not on the scope of the first notified body. So uh, then it means that we will have two or three or four or five notified bodies per the products we have on, on our stock. Looking at the same quality management system or uh, uh, overlapping parts of the same quality system and management system, yeah. So it's, yeah, I mean, when, I, when we start to read all what they have to do for doing this activity, um, my, I mean, my, my thing is to say, and I said that on my previous podcast, say, don't do that at all. I mean, it's not like, it's not like it's, 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 it's easy. It's, it's really looking like a difficult process for importers or distributors. So do you have the same conclusion? Like if you can do, yes. don't do that or, or give well, that directly to the manufacturers to do it. I would say do it specifically because you can see that the, the EU has made the policy change to depart from the uh, from the server products case law saying any device placed on the market uh, that you don't basically adulterate in the process of repacking or translation is basically you can do whatever you like the way you like it. They went to a situation where they said, well, we are going to make it look more 
uh, align it to the uh, pharmaceuticals uh, parallel import and trademark uh, case law in order to basically yeah align these things. And then they also added on top the notified body um, notified body uh, quality management uh, system certification, which yeah, does make this activity uh, more complex. But on the other hand, it also, if you look at it from a, uh, from a safety perspective, it also makes the processes much more safe. So in the end, you could say, uh, and also it limits these processes to not to the cases where you see a commercial advantage, but to the cases where actually you need to do this. So there's also, uh, in order to be able to sell the product in a particular member state, so there's also a proportionality criterion built in. And I think this is, yeah, this is, of course, uh, yeah, can really impact on the business model of uh, certain uh, distributors. Yeah, and, and it's and many, policy many, choice. Yeah, it's, it's mainly what we are saying. So it's important to do that. As you said, there is really an impact on the patients uh, outside because, uh, as you said, you have a, uh, uh, you have the manufacturer that already has all the quality management system. He went through a notified body. He showed them what he, he will be presenting on the market, all the indication, all the elements that are right inside. So it kind of approved by a notified body. And if the next company, the importer, is doing some changes without having a control for, from someone, uh, it can be a big problem also here. So it's why I think it's really important. Uh, now, yeah, the, the it's, it's, it's a bit of a, there, there's more of an emphasis, you could say generally in the NDR on good distribution practices. This is also what you see in guidances from uh, competent authorities on uh, distribution of medical devices. So it's just that, that this is also seen as, as, uh, as a quality controlled uh, activity. And I think also as if you're responsible distributor of uh, medical devices and you want to even keep all your uh, uh, all your obligations under article 14 it's really a good idea to have a good quality system anyway that you can fit this into and it's it's mainly also uh, as i said the, the 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 difficulty here is the fact that having a quality management system i think we all understand and it's really something that is needed uh, here it's more about for the nature of the work of those distributors or importers, mm -hmm. they are dealing with multiple products. And here, the big risk is dealing with multiple notified bodies. When if you had only a conformity assessment body that is coming just for ISO 1345 or ISO 9001 or ISO uh, quality management system, if I can say, um, then they can maybe relate on, on, on that. But I completely understand also that each product is different. I mean, having a quality management system for a pacemaker or for a wheelchair or for a spatula or yeah. whatever, it's completely different. So you have really to have the right uh, system for each of the products and the, for the storage, for transportation, for repackaging, for all this. And I think it's really uh, really something that is important. So I, I hope really that, 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 I mean, I tried to make the, the devil advocate <laughs> and, and put some of the questions that the manufacturer are asking. So I hope that now people really understand why this is in place and what they have to do and the fact that it, sh you sh it should be applicable by now. And we discussed here about the legacy, legacy devices that maybe there is still some discussions about that, but um, there is no transition period for, for this Article 16. So uh, it's something that you have really to consider as soon as possible because yeah, otherwise maybe you can be um, non-compliant, so placing devices on the market um, in a non-compliant way. So. Um, this is really something that um, I think will 
I hope help everybody. So is there anything else from your side that maybe we missed or we didn't talk about today here? We missed it. It's written in my book where I have a large uh, section on the uh, application of Article 16. So that's good. Uh, otherwise, yeah, what did we miss? Yeah, I mean, we could have gone into a lot of detail uh, discussing the MDCG uh, document on, uh, on Article 16, Section 4 certification. But it's, it's a very detailed document, uh, which largely also applies to notified bodies, telling notified bodies what their certification scheme should look like, what the certificate should look like. And the, the amount of guidance to manufacturers is actually, uh, or sorry, to distributors is actually really not, uh, not that much. Yeah, there's a section uh, that says that this is what your quality system should look like. And this, these are the elements that should be in there. That's section three. But that's, that's the import, most important part for, uh, for the market. So, uh, and I think um, yeah, the quality elements that they ask, they're, they're not so uh, totally weird. Um, except that these are that, that they also contain the normal uh, requirements that that companies can also sometimes get wrong procedurally. Like, for example, uh, has the resource management resource management been defined properly? Uh, is it properly documented? Uh, which premises are going to do the repacking? Is it uh, is the procedure? Uh, is, is that uh, specific for the place where you're going to do it? Um, also, a very important one that I think is easy to forget is that you need to have a procedure where you are informed of corrective action taken by the manufacturer. Okay. So if the manufacturer takes corrective action to remedy, uh, uh, to remedy uh, a, a problem with respect to the device, that may impact on your activities, then you need to know about it. So let's say, for example, you've got a translation, you, you're doing translations, then you need to have a process to ensure, ensure, that's what the, uh, that's what it says, to know that when the manufacturer implements a corrective, uh, uh, field safety corrective action with regards to the IFU, for example, I don't know, they remedy a particular usability aspect, uh, uh, in order to uh, limit the risk of user error, you need to know about it. And you need because to you be have to retranslate. And yeah, to retranslate. And this is a tricky one because how are you going to do that? Yeah. And, and, and it's, uh, as we said, it's, it's really something that um, uh, is really managed by a quality management system by people that are really trained to do that. And uh, we have really to, place, to put in place all the possibilities that are happening here. Um, what I would maybe ask uh, the people that are listening to that. So if you have some specific questions, please send that to me uh, at info at easymedicaldevice.com. And uh, the idea is mainly that if I get enough questions, I can maybe do again a session with Eric and we can try to go through those questions, maybe during a live also. It's uh, maybe something that we can do also during a live uh, so that we can really answer all your questions. Because I think here, as we said, there is, we just looked at a small piece of everything. So we didn't deep, deep dive on everything. So it's why it's maybe important that we can answer all your questions. So if you have questions, please send me a, a, an email at info at easymedicaldevice.com and I will gather them and then we can discuss again with Eric what we, what we can do to answer all those questions. Um, is this something that is fine for you, Eric? 
Yeah, no, that's fine. Perfect. Yeah, because I mean, to me, it feels that we only have one foot in the rabbit hole. Uh, that is art. Exactly. So far. Oh, exactly. So let's, let's wait for, for everybody to answer to that. <laughs> Great. So, um, Eric, really was a pleasure. I think, uh, I hope, yeah, it was really helpful. Um, and um, for everybody that is listening to this uh, episode, so please don't forget to uh, go on the YouTube channel maybe and, uh, and just to uh, put a comment and say that you liked it because it helps also to, uh, to raise, if I can say, the video for, for, for the people that are searching for this kind of topic. Uh, and uh, if you are listening that on your podcast, uh, so please also the, don't hesitate to share that with your colleagues that are really needing maybe the to understand and to uh, hear about the, the topic that we talk about here on the podcast. Okay, Eric, so really it was a pleasure. This is a, good, this is a good podcast. It's really good information that, that otherwise is not that easy to come by. So, uh, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. I'm try really trying to make it easy for everybody. So, yeah, I think uh, I hope it's really helpful for everyone to understand all what we are talking about here. Okay, Eric, so really thank you very much and I wish you a nice day. Likewise, my dear. Always a pleasure. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.